everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm Sam Yeager, a gray-haired host, and today I'm lucky to have a friend of mine and also an expert in a variety of different expertise, Ken Peaches with me. Ken, welcome to the program. Sam, it's wonderful. Thank you. Ken, you are Executive Director of the Health Council of East Central Florida, member of the Brevard Community Health Care Coalition, and many others around the state. How is it that you have all the talent that you can get involved in all of these different organizations? Part of the job of the Health Council of East Central Florida, which is the planning organization, is to be engaged uh, across all of the counties we serve. And so as a result of that, I probably serve Sam on eight or nine different boards. Uh, related to community health in each of those counties that we serve. And, you know, I I mentioned that uh, you and I have a friendship, but we also have a kindred friendship in that we both have a broadcasting background. And I always love to let our audience uh, know a bit more than just name and title for someone. Tell us about your background. Well, I actually started in broadcasting in high school um, and volunteering and then working for a radio station on the Jersey Shore that I ended up actually rebuilding from the ground up. Uh, years later after school, uh, graduated from uh, Seton Hall University, which uh, while there participated on WSOU, their FM station into Manhattan, um, and then uh, ended up coming down to the um, to Florida to, to buy and run WWFL in Claremont, Florida for a while before switching over to healthcare. And, you know, just for our audience, uh, if you're ever around someone and they're telling you uh, radio or television names and uh, they get down to the call letters, one cue as to far uh, as how far they are into it as being a professional, they say W. And, you know, and I, I chuckle because there it is. Kid is like W, W. And, and that's true, even down to, uh, to uh, uh, identifying the, uh, the website instead of W. It's W. So just a little tidbit. And it would have been WKRP using my initials, but somebody else got a TV show with that first. And I swear I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> One of the greatest episodes of all time. And, and I love that program. But let's, let's switch back to uh, health care. We are still in the emergent side, em- emerging from a COVID pandemic. Uh, I know that um, we still have the remnant virus. Uh, it's still wreaking havoc in uh, a lot of different areas. Uh, people are ill. Uh, we still have uh, a higher than normal BA5 variant. And others, I'm sure, are going to come along. Uh, one of the, the key lessons out of all of that is we have a very vulnerable population, our senior population. Uh, we found that uh, they were being cared for in a variety of institutions. But looking back now, those that were cared for at home or were provided uh, stay-at-home opportunities fared much better. Key lesson? I I think um, there's a realization. The one thing that COVID has done for us, Sam, is it's moved us much further along. Telehealth was something that played a very minor role. You know, the idea of of treating uh, individuals, seniors and others in their home uh, from a distance was just not something that had really taken off. It probably moved a decade ahead because of COVID. 
We're also seeing the expansion through technology of wearables. How many of us wear some type of an Apple Watch or something that's giving us an indication of our you know, cardiac uh, health at any one time? Mobile services, more and more services now delivered in the home, mobile diagnostics, labs. Um, and then the newer thing right now is the uh, use of uh, AI in texting, for example, reminders, what we call deviceless uh, remote uh, patient monitoring, so that every day you receive a message that says, you know, how are you feeling? Click one or push two. And, and that way, somebody's analyzing that and saying, OK, we need to go out and see Sam today or we're OK. Uh, so a lot of new technology has enabled us to move care from you going to care to care coming to you. And I think even from an insurance standpoint, uh, I know it seems like decades ago, but uh, when we were talking about uh, remote care, uh, even in the insurance coding, there was not a classification even as vast as the ICD-10 happened to be. Today, there is. So more and more of those type of services are being covered by insurance. Right. Actually, we saw a major shift as well because physicians ran into problems. As individuals were afraid to come out to see their doctors, um, the physicians had to figure out a way, so they very quickly adopted telehealth. But those practices that were doing traditional medicine um, had... um, 20%, I believe, of the U.S. physicians, primary care physicians in the country were either jeopardized for future or went out of practice. You know, and and you and I both are voracious readers. Uh, We read anything that happens to get in front of us uh, when it comes to healthcare. And uh, some of the technology you're talking about, AI in particular, the wearables, uh, an interesting article uh, that was not a recent article, but uh, was about at-home care, uh, where the providing agency or providers actually installed sensors, for example, in the shower. And those sensors were able to uh, give a reading of that person's health just from the effluent from the water and uh, the the interaction with a person's body. It's amazing. The company uh, actually developed uh, here in central Florida, uh, received some funding uh, a number of years ago. I opened up down in Miami, and they use exactly what you're saying, but not only that, but they can actually, because their computer can analyze that, can determine if an individual is developing an issue by the change in their living pattern, because that's established over a couple of weeks, and then the system notes, wait a minute, maybe someone, unfortunately, is getting up more often in the middle of the night. What is that indicating? Possibly, uh, you know, UTI or some other health issue. And uh, then it gets back to that notification process. And, you know, I hate to say that uh, we're experiencing better health and better aging through technology, but we are. Uh, A lot of people shied away from that. And today, I think they're not necessarily shying away from it because it's not that notable as far as, hey, Sam, we are monitoring blah, blah, blah. It's, a, it's an unknown that uh, probably is helping us out a lot. There was a physician up in Maine a number of years ago who was losing patients because the families um, would invite their parents to move away from the neighborhood and the life that they knew, come down south to Florida or somewhere because we're concerned about you being by yourself. So he hired a bunch of people, put them in a room with TV monitors. They put a camera under the bed and a sensor. And when that person got up in the middle of the night, 
night, they would know and they could make sure that they got back in safely. I remember him telling us the story of this one woman who, um, uh, for some reason, was on her couch in the middle of the night um, and they sent the neighbor over. She had turned off her furnace in Maine instead of turning off the, uh, the light. And as a result, it was 60-something degrees in the home and she's in there shivering. They were able to give her soup and no emergency department, no hospitalization. And that, that leads right into aging in place. Uh, that is a, uh, a buzz phrase that is uh, gaining popularity. It's been around a while, but not just within our healthcare communities, but it's also uh, within our builders' communities. Uh, our builders' associations around the country, the national builders, are all recognizing uh, from builders all the way down to grassroots that our vulnerable population of seniors and those with uh, an illness or a disability of some type are better off aging in home some of the statistics that you may share. Well, uh, first of all, there are 76 million baby boomers. And, and people forget that's 18 years from 1946 to 64. So we only began to see them changing you know, to 65 in 2011. It'll be 2029 before this ends. So we have a long wow. ways to go yet. Um, and this, the boomers, when asked uh, years ago, said, hey, we're not going to age gracefully. So um, if you look at their desire, it is to live independently. Uh, life expectancy has climbed um, from uh, 60 at, at age 65 from a, around 12 years back in the uh, 1900s to 19 years now in 2010 uh, beyond age 65. Um, and we're expected to in, actually outnumber the number of, of children. So that means less children to take care of us. So how do we stay independent? And part of that uh, is we have to provide support. And so more and more efforts are being made now to enable individuals, as you're saying, Sam, to live at home in some type of a setting um, in their later years so they don't have to go into institutional housing. That move to care at home, though, it's a big story. It's something that we all need to pay attention to. Right. And, and you know, the, the, the other piece of that, as I alluded to in the main story, is people don't want to be torn out of the neighborhoods and, the, and the, where they've lived. And if you can keep them there, that is a tremendous, a, a, a tremendous support because, um, you know, speaking very generally, people resist change as they get older. Yes. Now, before we get too much further into the program, uh, I, I try to keep an eye on things, and uh, you and I could sit and talk all day long. I mean, we have proven that many times at uh, some of the meetings we attend, but uh, will you be able to come back and be my guest again at some point in the future? Oh, it would be my honor. All right, great. We're gonna, I'm going to hold you to that because I know our audience really enjoys people just as much as they enjoy information. Uh, and I, I know that uh, a lot of folks uh, are attuned to podcast as a new method of communications. And, and I want to come back to that in a, in a moment, if I could. But um, healthcare facilities and hospitals right now in all of the areas that uh, you and I are involved in, one of the, the big things they're trying to do is reduce the number of readmissions. Why is that important 
Readmissions for two reasons. One, I don't think any of us, when we come out of the hospital, want to go back into the hospital within 30 days, right? And that's what that readmission period is. And the other thing is Medicare has basically said, why are we paying for individuals to be treated in your hospital? They come out and then they go right back in and you're asking us to pay for it again. So they now penalize financially the hospitals for those readmissions. So as a result of that, you have both the hospital desiring to control that and also you have individuals who would prefer to stay out. And when you say penalize, I think that was probably something that uh, those within the industry uh, were taking a look at and wondering, is that actually going to go into effect? It has. Yes, um, uh, to a degree. Um, Keeping in mind that the hospitals make a great deal of money for having patients in the hospital. Um, But they they are making this effort to try and keep individuals out as much as possible. And hospitals are changing. We're seeing a move toward more and more outpatient. It's been going on for years. Um, And what we're seeing now is that independent organizations are actually uh, growing faster than the hospitals themselves. And so more and more business is going out of the hospitals and into these settings, leaving us with probably a future of intensive care and emergency department it being pretty much the hospital services. And even to the point of having uh, some hospitals uh, going into a, a venture called hospital at home. Yes, a hospital at home, and we're also seeing skilled nursing facility at home. Um, we're seeing more and more desire, again, to keep individuals, whether they're um, in an acute episode. And by using daily visits, by using remote patient monitoring we referenced earlier in the show, um, these are the things that are allowing the individuals <clears throat> excuse me, to age at home and, um, and to be able to stay out of the hospital. A recurring theme. As we talk to hospital officials or healthcare officials of any sort, even right down to the local level, is yes, we go to conferences, yes, we get together for our meetings, and we come away with great ideas to improve everything that we are doing for the ultimate patient care and the continuum of care. Then it all sort of begins to dissolve. And the reason given for that uh, dissolving of, of uh, the focus is lack of communications. And, and so often it's, it's actually lack of communications between the healthcare providers themselves. <clears throat> so one of the things that you see in Medicare Advantage plans is you see a focus now on more primary care physician. Um, the difference between traditional Medicare, where you choose what doctor you go to, and Medicare Advantage, where you're assigned or you choose a primary care physician to be your, your individual that na- helps you navigate and you know, keeps you aware of, okay, this is something you need or, or not, and does a better job of coordinating for you. So we want to see more individuals, and that's why Medicare Advantage as a choice is just running away with, with individuals over age 65. Absolutely. And uh, recently had a, uh, one of the, the regional representatives for Medicare Advantage, and uh, she was driving home that same point. And one of the things that uh, also impacts that is our lack of staffing for many of the facilities, even lack of, of personnel to help care at home. And, and I know that's something that you're familiar with. That, that's a big issue because we are, we are facing a massive shortage of physicians. And now with all of the churn because of COVID, we're also seeing a, a shortage of nurses and others. Um, we chose at the Health Council begin using in 2017 paramedics to go into the home and to help uh, individuals remain in the home through a combination 
of disease management for their chronic health conditions and self-care education to teach them how to care for themselves. And that program is just expanding leaps and bounds. And, you know, I guess that really, really makes sense because paramedics are qualified in that care arena, but uh, based on uh, a typical paramedic's schedule, they have time. Right. Well, the nice part is that these are non-EMS paramedics. So ours are employed purely for managing chronic conditions. So they'll be coming to someone's home for 30, 60, 90 days on a weekly basis just to make sure, check in, make sure they're okay. And some of the things they've discovered, uh, Sam, are not necessarily clinical. They're the other things. They're the reason why one doctor couldn't figure out why his patient was going through the emergency department every few days until our paramedic discovered squatters had moved in, were eating her food, taking her money. Um, And we also found another woman in a wheelchair who had a rope tied from her wheelchair to the front door to keep the door closed. That was the only security she had in her home. These are the things you find that a physician will say, why isn't this patient doing this that I'm telling him to do? They don't see what's going on in the home. Now, is the the situation with the paramedics and the care provided by the the paramedics, is that something that if one of our listeners uh, wanted to find out more, would they go through a physician or can it be done independently? Um, Actually, it's done uh, through a physician because state law allows us to work where a physician supervises paramedics. So we work with physicians um, and we sign on with medical groups who offer this service uh, to to their patients. Twofold question then. Uh, For those professionals, the medical groups, how do they find out more? Uh, Well, first of all, for the medical groups, it's generally to look at our website. We have a website called Care uh, Medics, M-E-D-I-X, with dashes in there, dot O-R-G. And that describes for the physician group exactly how it works. We have quotes on there from our patients who have experienced this. So it's uh, caremedics.org. The biggest thing that you can think of just putting on a what-if hat, looking to the future, where do you see for our seniors and healthcare in general, where do you see some of the, the big points of interest and focus going forward? I, I think, Sam, as you've so nicely brought this uh, together, is care delivery is moving to the home. We recognize that about, I've been at the Health Council 12 years, about 11 years ago, we started moving in that direction. Um, And we use a lot of different techniques, not just the paramedicine um, and the uh, technology and so forth. Uh, We also have a medical assistant who gets uh, enrolled seniors in prescription assistance programs to save them thousands of dollars on prescriptions. All of these things basically under the premise that people want to be in their home, we are not going to be able to house everybody, all 74 million baby boomers uh, in institutional housing, we have to be able to look at what do we do to keep them home. If someone wants more information than what we've been able to talk about today and in our time here together, and they want to reach out to you directly, may they do that? Certainly. I'll give you my email address, and I'm going to use the uh, codes because it's a little easier. So it's kpeach, just like for fruit, at hotelcharliefoxtrot.org which is kpeach at h-c-e-c-f dot o-r-g. Absolutely ingenious way to make people remember it because, you know, there's so many acronyms that it's difficult sometimes for us to remember it all. And Ken, I want to thank you for being on the program today. And uh, I've already gotten the commitment that you're going to come back in the future. And I like to call in those commitments. Sam, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Ken Peach, the Executive Director of the Health Council of East Central Florida, member of the Brevard Community Health Care Coalition, and many others around the state, and a friend. Uh, I want to thank you so very, very much for being here, and we're looking forward to having you back in the near future. And as we look forward to having Ken come back in the near future, I just want to say until then, I am Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show, and that's the way our program ends. <laughs>